The defendant's commission of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state. Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh, I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people. Then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. It is me, your host, Brendan Shea, and joining me as always is the beautiful, the lovely. Annie Weebs, how's it going, Shea Bay? I'm doing good, Annie, and I'm glad that today we get to sit down and kind of change lanes a little bit. Uh, We're coming off our series of Missing Samantha Burns, but I think it's time we get into a little bit something more spooky and ominous. Let's get weird today. Let's get weird today. But before we do that, I just want to go and remind everybody, please check out Serial Spirits on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Leave us five-star reviews because it really does help the show. It really helps boost our ratings. And, you know, we just, we like hearing from you and we really enjoyed hearing from everybody on their feedback on the missing Samantha Burns. So you can check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and ParanormalWarehouse.com. They have so many great shows uh, not just podcast form, but you can watch live investigations, and uh, it's a really great network, and we're glad to be part of that platform. Uh, if you are a fan of this podcast, and you would like to get some kind of merch, you can go to ParanormalWarehouse.com, and you can sign up to get t-shirts. Uh, I think they're in the process of being able to print stuff on mugs, so go ahead and check that out, ParanormalWarehouse.com. Check out their merch section, and you can get all that cool stuff sent to you if you wish. So, Shay, what are we talking about today if we're going to get weird? Well, Annie, I think, you know, I wanted to change it up a little bit. And I think this week we should get into maybe some of our own creepy paranormal experiences because a lot of people don't know too much about you and me as far as maybe new fans of Serial Spirits. uh, I know there's people who listen to the show who know who we are, who followed us for a while, followed our careers into the paranormal, but... Maybe they don't know some of the intimate stories and some of the great experiences that keep us so interested and involved in this field because there is so much to it and there's so much unexplained things. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff. So you and I have been in the paranormal about a decade now, you a little longer than me. And what we live for are some of these live investigations that we get to do really get down and dirty, in the nitty-gritty in some of these locations. And you and I are actually going to do that this weekend with a new group. And I'm really excited about this. So again, if you guys are fans of Paranormal Warehouse, you can go there and watch Brendan, Shay, and I, along with the guys from Gateway Paranormal, we are investigating a place called Ross Opera House, which is the birthplace of The Walking Dead. The creator of The Walking Dead, Robert Kirkman, helped save this old opera house. And I've been there several times and it is super creepy. And we've always had amazing and amazing investigations there, amazing evidence. And so you guys, if you don't get to watch live this Saturday, August the 3rd, then you can go back and watch the replay on Paranormal Warehouse and you guys can see what we do in one of these live investigations. Yeah, I am a huge fan of all historic buildings, uh, especially opera houses. I spent the the first part of my paranormal career being a tour guide and uh, investigating numerous times in opera house. And they are an incredible place to investigate because it's just overwhelming to think to think about all the emotion and all the energy poured into these plays and shows that were put on here. So I'm looking forward to I've never been to Ross Opera House. I've heard about it a lot. I know I know a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who have been there. And uh, I'm just super, super pumped to go there, especially because it is the birthplace 
of my all-time favorite show, The Walking Dead. My all-time favorite comic book character and TV show character, Rick Grimes. You're going to pee your pants a little bit when you see the enormous mural that's painted on the outside of Ross Opera House. I know, and I'm going to fall in love. And just on a side note, I mean, Andrew Lincoln was the perfect, perfect person to play Rick Grimes. Uh, he turned that character from kind of a, a pansy char- comic book character to an amazing force to be reckoned with in the show. So I'm super pumped to go and especially meet the guys from Gateway Paranormal. Like it's it's going to be, be awesome. awesome. They yeah, are I'm- so excited to come here and investigate this location with us. So you guys stay tuned for that. So Shay, I want to hear about your most profound paranormal experience. I don't know that you've ever told me this story. Well, you know what? I have to go back to when I was a child. And this is when it started for me. I know a lot of people who have told me, especially a very um, powerful psychic, has told me that I have some something. I have something. I've never claimed to be psychic or sensitive or anything like that. But maybe there's a little bit of intuition. And over the past five years, I've started to notice it a little bit. But but maybe it's because of what I experienced as a child that maybe it made me realize that, yeah, maybe there is something here. So let's go back to Baby Shay, the early 80s in Staten Island, New York. Now, I have to get into detail here, so just excuse the long, drawn-out story, but I lived in a two-bedroom apartment with my parents in Staten Island, New York. And this apartment uh, had a staircase that led you to the actual first floor from the ground floor. And then it was another level on top of that. And me and my brother and sister at the time shared a room. And I remember this vividly clear as day and being an adult now, and I've said this a lot of times in interviews, being an adult now, I was able to analyze the room and look at it and realize that there was no way that, that this was just a, a figment of my imagination or something cast from outside. So as I said, I'm on the second floor. So best, basically it's the third story from if you're looking at it from the ground. And I'm laying in bed one night and I had to be three, four years old. And my brother George was in the crib. And I remember laying in bed and I rolled over to the side and on the wall, I seen this shadow of a man in a rocking chair. And it kind of freaked me out for a minute. And I, I just, I cannot get this image out of my head. And I'm watching this, and I'm watching this man in this rocking chair, which I, uh, you know, later on assumed as being some old man. And his foot was tapping like he was listening to music. So I'm like taking this all in, you know, in my little kid brain, trying to figure out what I'm looking at, but also scared to death, getting slowly pulling up that paranormal shield, my blanket, to slowly cover up my face. And I stopped because another shadow came into the scene. And it was a little kid. And the little kid jumped up on this other shadows lap and the thing that stuck out most to me was like their feet were tapping in time but the smaller shadows foot was like off time so it was like the 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 big person would raise their foot and the little one would like be off time with them trying to keep time with it and that stuck with me my whole life and i had no explanation for it whatsoever and being an adult, as I said, I was able to analyze this years later because I was technically on the third story and there was nothing tall enough around to have cast that shadow. And I've looked at it over and over and over again in my brain, what I can remember. I haven't been back to that house since we moved to Ohio, but it just was was weird and it just propelled me into all this mysterious paranormal stuff like... As a kid, I tried to get my hands on everything that I could read about ghosts, about UFOs, about Bigfoot, anything that was unexplained. And uh, I think this was the first experience that propelled me. Now, as we get into this a little more and we talk some of the experiences that I've had and things that I've seen, I'll explain something else that happened to me as a child. But that kind of led me to travel this road that I'm on. And uh, that's like my first story that I'm going to tell. Annie, what about you? What got you started in this field? A lot like you, I think we've all had some type of experience that propelled us into the paranormal. And so as a child, I was always fascinated with it. As a teenager, I had experiences surrounding the deaths of my grandparents. And it just made me more curious than anything else. I would definitely say I have a more scientific skeptical mind when it comes to the paranormal. I want to see it. I want it in my face. I want to hear it. I want to experience whatever it is that I can to try to quantify that feeling that you experience when you have the paranormal experience. 
And so we began investigating, I guess, about 10 years ago. I started off with a group in West Virginia and then kind of branched out on my own, just developing my own theories, my own methods, I guess you would say. And my most profound paranormal experience, I actually got to relive about two weeks ago when I was asked to shoot a special that will come out on the Travel Channel this fall. So this occurred about three years ago at a place called Lake Shawnee Amusement Park in Rock, West Virginia. The history behind Lake Shawnee was that it was an old amusement park. The old Ferris wheel and metal swings still stand on the property. There's a man-made lake that they used to use as a swimming pond. The family that owned it in the 1980s were turning it into more like a, a fairground type place. And so the owner at that time dug into the ground. And when he did, he unearthed a Native American burial ground. They came in, they did some research and then decided to cover up the burial ground and leave it alone. But since then, the paranormal claims started there. I had some friends who were local documentarians and they wanted to go up there and do a historical slash paranormal type documentary on the area. And so we, with our camping gear in hand, went up to Lake Shawnee and our plan was to tour the area through the day with the owners and we were going to camp on the property at night. The entire day was uneventful. We met with the owners. We shot a lot of video for the documentary. We heard about the history. We also heard about some of the paranormal claims. And so as it got dark, we started setting up stationary cameras to do a little bit of historical documentation and also some paranormal research. I was there with one of the documentarians as we were setting up a stationary camera that pointed towards the road. There's one road that goes all the way around the property, and this is out in the middle of nowhere. As we're setting up camera angles, we notice a man walking on the road. It's almost dark. It's about nine o'clock. And the friend with me turns to look at me and realizes that this man is very out of place. And he said, where did this guy come from? And I had no answer because he literally just kind of came out of nowhere. The guy was very tall. He was very thin. He was walking with his arms kind of crossed over his chest. And he was walking really fast, like he was trying to get away from somebody. And we stand there and we just watch him. And my friend makes a comment to me, like, he's going to get hit out here on the road. He's completely not where he should be, not where you would expect a person to be walking. As we're watching him, a car comes up behind him on the road. The headlights completely illuminate this man. He was a live human being for all we could tell. The car flies past him. They don't slow down. They don't swerve. They make they make no effort to go around this man. And my friend and I both cringed and we're like, oh my God, this guy is, is not where he should be right now. And so we kind of start walking towards the road. And this man, after the car passes him, takes probably five or six more steps And there is this cluster of three or four trees. He takes a long stride behind this cluster of trees, and he's gone. And so my friend and I stand there and watch, and we think, oh, okay, this is somebody who's out here messing with us. The owner of the property told us that sometimes when the locals see people out there with cameras, they get curious, and they come out, and they want to know what's going on, too. And so my friend and I start running across the property yelling, hey, this is private property. We're calling the cops. You can't be here, that kind of stuff. But the man doesn't reemerge. So we get to the edge of the road where we last saw this man and there's a fence line there. And I walk one direction and my friend walks the other and this man was nowhere to be found. This seemingly real life human being vanished into thin air. I didn't just experience it. My friend experienced it with me. And we both sat in this field and just waited for something else to happen. It was the most profound experience. It's the only full-bodied apparition that I have ever encountered on an investigation. And so when the Travel Channel called and said, will you come back and relive this for us for the show? I said, absolutely. My call time was 4.30 that morning. They wanted to shoot this in the dark. And I cannot tell you how creepy it was 
to roll up on this property at 4.30 in the morning when it's totally dark and foggy, it made me relive that moment all over again. And well, the, you, you had sent me pictures of it, and it looked like the, it looked like the beginning of a horror movie. It's terrifying. And so I made the comment to one of the cameramen that was there that the place still gave me the creeps. And he said, yeah, it kind of gives me the creeps, too. We don't know exactly who the man was. We have a theory that it was a relative of the current owner who used to live on the property and was kind of the caretaker as it transitioned from one owner to the next. He ran these um, catfishing tournaments in the pond there. And the current owner believes that it could possibly have been him. So that's my most profound paranormal experience. And I'm glad that my friend was there with me and got to experience it at the same time. Because if it had just been me, it's one of those moments that you would have looked around and thought, I can never tell this to anybody because they'll think I'm absolutely nuts. But he saw the exact same thing. We corroborated the experiences to other people. And we had other things happen that night, too, that were unexplainable that we tried to explain. But Lake Shawnee Amusement Park, hopefully we're going to get back down there towards the end of this year. We're talking about going down and doing um, an open to the public investigation for people to come in and actually experience this location. And if you're not afraid of the dark, then come down and experience it with us. And I'll take you to that exact spot where I saw this man disappear. That's one of the weirdest things about full body apparitions. When The longer you do this, the longer you are searching for the unknown, it just comes out of nowhere and you don't expect it because it's not, that's why it's such a, a uh, frowned upon science as they say, because you can't recreate these events because they come out of nowhere. And like Ganny, I've had experiences with full body apparitions where I thought it was just somebody there. And then you take a step back and then you realize, holy crap, like this, I just saw something that was not of this, this dimension anymore. So, you know, I've heard a lot of stories about Lake Shawnee. I've never been there. I've heard the Native American lore of it and everything like that. And it seems like a very intriguing place. I mean, I knew people who've been going there for years. And, uh, yeah, I hope to God we can get down there and put on an event. And if you're a fan of serial spirits and that's something you would want to do, go on a ghost hunt with Shay and Weebs. Hopefully we'll give you that opportunity soon. I could take you to one of the scariest places I've ever been. Yeah, and that's a pretty profound experience to have because... That, as a paranormal investigator, is the holy grail. It is. Seeing a full body apparition is the holy grail. And I was so angry because we hadn't started rolling footage yet. We but were that always happens. That it happens always happens. We were literally setting up the camera angles and running our cables. They were like, there's one power source out there. And so we were running all these cables from the one power source. Uh, which actually was another experience that we had later that night that I also recounted to Travel Channel. Um, but naturally, the minute that you want to capture something like that, it, it's just beyond your reach. And it's so frustrating. And that's one of the things about being an investigator is that's what you're there for. You're there to collect that data. I don't care what anybody says. You know, if you're about this and you're serious, it's more than just the experience. It's about collecting this data. It's about finding answers to things. And my experience has been the more answers I find, the more questions present themselves. There's never really an answer. There's never an There's answer. Never an answer. There's never an answer. will be an answer. It just leads to more questions. So Shay, do you have another story for us? I have a lot of stories and we're just going to go ahead and start like on a timeline of this. As I said in the beginning of the episode, I used to host uh, ghost hunts, ghost tours, conduct paranormal investigations at a location called the Twin City Opera House in McConnellsville, Ohio. Uh, and this place is an incredible building. It's his, it's one of the oldest buildings in McConnellsville. And uh, we've done a lot of history over the years, you know, his, historical research on it, trying to figure out what was in this built, what was in this property before the Opera House was built, because there was nothing ever, ever documented. They just called it the Burn District. It was called the Burn District for a reason. Did something burn there? Over years of investigating, they finally discovered that something was there. It was a drugstore, and it had in in been intentionally burned to the ground. Um, but this place is full of so many spirits, and my experiences there were so incredible. The first time I ever seen a shadow figure was at the Twin City Opera House, 
And uh, I can tell you recount hours and hours of experiences that I had. But I kind of want to take a step back and talk about the first time I did see a full body apparition. And it was just before uh, my experiences at the Twin City Opera House. I was driving down a road going to my grandma's house. I've been staying with my grandma for a couple months uh, till I found a new place to live. And I was working at a hospital. I was working second shift. So I'd get off work at 11 o'clock. And I'm driving down these backcountry roads to my grandma's house. And uh, as I'm getting closer to the road my grandma lives on, it's a, in a country road. It's, it's gravel road. It's not paved. And I'd make the turn and I'm just, you know, listening to music, doing whatever. And I see this guy walking down the road. He's almost in the middle of the road. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this idiot doing? And the closer I got to the guy, I realized that my headlights were shining through him. And so I stopped because I, you know, approached him to see if he needed help. And I, you know, looked down for a split second, opened the door, got out and he was gone. In the area where I was, there was two fields on either side. And there was no way he could have ran somewhere without me seeing him run away. And I took a step back and I realized, did I just see something that, 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 did I just see a ghost? I mean, it looked like a real live human being. And it only dawned on me that after I saw this to recollect my thoughts... I was like, holy crap, my headlights went right through this guy. Like, they went right through this guy, and how come I didn't realize that right away? And that was the point I was trying to make with Annie's story. You don't realize it right away. Even if it's standing face-to-face with you, it's like, ugh. It startles you for a minute because you think it's a human being. I've never seen a ghost that looked like it was, you know, floating or see-through right away. Like, it looked like a living, breathing human being. To this day, I have no idea who that guy was. My aunt had a similar story because she lives on the same road that she seen a guy waving and she looked back up and the guy was gone. So I never heard any stories about that area being haunted or whatever. It could have just been a, a passerby, uh, you know, who knows, but that, that really sparked my interest. And I started going on these ghost tours. Columbus, Ohio puts on these ghost tours every, every Halloween. And there's a bunch of uh, haunted houses they take you to. And it just, it just interested me so bad. And I finally was like, you know what? I got to do this. The main spark was my mother passing away. Stuff happened after she passed away, which I'm not going to get into there because they're personal stories. But I started a team and was asked to join another team, and that led me to the Twin City Opera House. And this opera house has a cast, I will say a cast of spirits that had presented themselves over the years. And uh, the first time I seen a shadow figure was in the basement of this opera house. It predated the opera house itself. We think it was the original foundation. But in McConnellsville, the Opera House building served as the city hall and everything else as well. And they had all these tunnels built underneath the city. And we believe that a lot of them went to hotels where these big name actors and actresses would come into town. And they would take these tunnels to get into the Opera House so they wouldn't have to face all the fans and everything walking straight into the Opera House. Because there was only one main entrance. So we believe that these tunnels had something to do with the hauntings. And... um I was in the basement and we were setting up the cameras because I was the tech manager at the time. And we're feeding these cam- these wires down this hole in the middle of the floor where all the they have a concession stand area now and they have the the soda lines going down through. And we started feeding the wires down through and I heard this noise and I turned around. And I'm not even joking when I say this. You picture that shadow person creeping out from behind a thing just kind of like bobbing and like weaving or whatever, just kind of looking at you. That's exactly what it was doing. And Every single hair on my body stood up, and it freaked me out so bad. I turned around and looked real quick, and I just got on the walk. and said, see a shadow. There's a shadow guy down here. Shadow guy, like, freaked out. <laughs> and uh, I, I, it was just, it, it was gone. It was gone just as quickly as I saw it. It was gone. It didn't last for a long time. It was like a split second, but I knew exactly what I was looking at. And it terrified me. And that basement, to this day, still terrifies me. I've had so many unexplainable experiences down there would love being down there by myself but it's just it it's it's unnerving whatever's down there so did you ever capture any evps that led you to believe like who that was we caught a lot of different evps and if you go there now and this isn't a you know me talking crap or anything but some of the stories have been exaggerated over the years i had gone back a couple of years after i had left the team that you know ran the tours there and i heard some of the tour guides recounting some of the experiences and they were some of my own experiences and I you know being the personality that I am I chime in and I say that ah, didn't happen that way and I tell you the real story because it was you know my experience that it happened to me they were telling my story but 
we had had, you know, experiences and EVPs uh, of some of the spirits we believe to be there. Now, again, as long as I've been doing this, I take everything with a grain of salt. If I go, hey, you know, this is my name's Brendan, what's your name? And I get an EVP that says, hi, my name's Bob. Do I really think it's Bob? I have no idea who I'm talking to, who, who I'm, you know, communicating with. So I take it all with a grain of salt. And that's just my opinion. That's just how I investigate. But uh, I've done one better, Annie. I've caught a black mass in that basement. And it was the craziest thing because, like I said, we are very scientific. The group that I belong to, my whole life I've been scientific about all of this stuff. And we had set cameras up. And there was only one entrance to this sub-basement, okay? And it was this big metal door. You've been there. You've, you've heard the door I'm talking about. It's that big one that creaks real loud. Yes, I have. And um, it, there's only one way into that sub-basement. And we had set a camera up right next to that door. And then there was another one facing the actual open area of the basement. Now, this video is available on YouTube. You can just look up Shadow Figure Caught at Twin City Opera House. And you can see this video and you'll see what I'm talking about. So there's only two cameras. One of the cameras completely blacks out and just like it goes completely black. It's almost like a purple haze. And then the camera comes back on. Now, in your scientific brain, you're thinking, damn it, the camera glitched. We had a problem. But see, the problem with that was is we had another camera facing that camera. And in the other opposite camera across the room, you see something reach out like an extended appendage in front of that camera and pull back. And you see that camera stay, it stays on. And you see this thing like kind of sink back into the wall from the other camera angle. And when we saw that, it was like, wow, we caught this thing that people have been seeing for years down this basement. We got it on camera. And it was, you know... It was the cold, the Holy Grail. We all the experiences, all these things that people have seen down here. We got it. We got it on camera, and it was it was amazing. It was an amazing find. My live show this past week, Are You Leaves Live, I had uh, psychic profiler Robbie Thomas on. Robbie's a good friend of ours, and I met Robbie at Twin City Opera House when we investigated there with Keith Age, and we caught a very similar photo that was like that. I was sitting with Keith Age. We were using a new form of a rim pod that Bill Chapel had made for Keith. And as we're sitting there, the temperature starts to drop. and Which happens all the time down there. Yeah. And so Keith says something like, Robbie, where do you, is, is he standing right here? And Robbie says, no, he's standing right here behind me. And so somebody snaps a picture at that moment. I think it was Keith. And you see this extremely tall shadow figure standing next to Robbie just where he described he would be and and that was freaky yeah and I actually re I was on the bio channel uh, my ghost story caught on camera and uh, we got to recreate our own like they didn't have actors playing us like the uh, a couple of the other shows I was on uh, but you know they they let us recreate our own events and I had this event it was during a public ghost hunt and I had two investigators with me who I trusted who I still, you know, I've had so many experiences with these two ladies, like, it's it's unreal. When we get together, it's like a, a paranormal, like, Pandora's box opens up. But they were with me, and we were giving a tour. And I was down there provoking, because that seemed to be the only way to get this thing to come out, if you were mean to it. And it, it wasn't a nice spirit to begin with, but I was that guy that I was like the Zach Bagans of the Twin City Opera House. I provoked. I felt like I got hit in the gut. Like, it just felt like something came up and punched me in the gut. And I dropped, and they physically had to take me out of this building. That has only happened twice to me in my whole entire life. And it happened in the basement of the Twin City Opera House. And to this day, it's still, it affected me in a way that I realize, you know, what steps I can take in these investigations, where to draw the line sometimes. And this this spirit really did teach me a lesson in that regard. Twin City Opera House has given me so many... So many profound experiences. Uh, it taught me a lot as far as like, you know, how to investigate, how to how to use audio, how to use equipment. I, you know, will never forget. And if I ever get a chance to go back, you know, I, I hope I do someday. And uh, it, it was one of them places where I really got my start. And I, I felt like I don't think I could have experiences like that again. But then again, I've been to some really, really cool places where I've had some really incredible, incredible experiences. So Lake Shawnee is it for you, huh? That's the only place that you've felt 
the most profound thing that's ever happened. You see, doesn't have you don't have to see a full body apparition for it to be a profound experience. No, Lake Shawnee was just the only place that I've ever seen a full bodied apparition. And so, like you said, being a, a paranormal investigator, that's kind of the holy grail as far as that's concerned. But another really cool place that we had so much activity happen was let's talk about Ross Opera House. Since we're going to be there this coming weekend, let me see if I can uh, set the mood for you because I've been there twice. We first did a private investigation there, just me with my team in West Virginia. And then we went back and did a public investigation there where we took some friends with us, invited people from the community to come in, skeptics, believers, whatever you wanted to be, then, um, we wanted you to come in there. I will preface this by saying I had a dream about Ross Opera House before I went there the first time. And this has happened a lot in my career as a paranormal investigator that I will have dreams or little glimpses into places that we are going. Um, It happened before we went to Prospect Place. I actually had a really scary, um, I don't even know what you'd call it. it, was like a waking dream about Prospect Place before we went there. Um, If we have time, I'll get into that one. But the same thing happened with Ross Opera House. I had a dream. And in this dream, I'm standing in this room with like these hardwood floors. And I look up and there are, it's just like almost like an old 1940s style, I wouldn't call it a ballroom, because it wasn't that formal, but I could see the light coming through the windows. There were lights hanging up, not like Christmas lights, but like the round bulbs, along the ceiling. So it looked like a party room. And I'm just standing in this room, but I get this really creepy crawly kind of feeling like there's something there that didn't want me there. And that was the extent of the dream. I woke up. The first time we visited Ross Opera House, I walk up to, I believe it's the second floor, and it's off of the theater, and they call it Aeolian Hall. And I Aeolian Hall? Aeolian. Oh, Aeolian. Aeolian Hall. And I walk into the hall, and the minute I step in, the feeling comes back. And I look at one of the other investigators with me and say, This was the room from my dream. The only thing that was missing were the lights hanging from the ceiling. So I dreamt of the room. And so I thought, okay, maybe this is a place that I should pay attention to. And so we set up, this was during the public investigation. We set up and we'd had some experiences up there the first night that we were there privately. One of the reports at Ross Opera House was a shadow person. And so they actually, Roger, the owner, had a picture of the shadow person caught downstairs in the theater. So during this public investigation, we're upstairs in Aeolian Hall, and it's about three o'clock in the morning. We're all getting super tired. The witching hour. It was the witching hour. And some people who were locals had already departed. Um, and so we had some of my friends there, some of the people that had been with Lake, with me at Lake Shawnee, the documentarians, they were doing some video, running video for us. And there were these two guys there that had been with us all night. The only thing that we knew about them were that they were locals of the area. They'd heard the story of Ross Opera House being haunted, but they were very skeptical. And so I wasn't trying to steer them in any direction. I just wanted them to have the experience of fill it out for yourself. See what you think. This is all about, it's all about your own feeling. It's all about your own thoughts. There's no right or wrong. And so we're in Aeolian Hall and there were some chairs set up. We were running a spirit box session that was getting some pretty good activity. In the middle of this spirit box session, these two guys were sitting in the back of Aeolian Hall and it's not a huge room. There's only one door in and out of Aeolian Hall and it's half wood, half glass. And it looks into the hallway that goes to the balcony for the theater. And so everything out there was totally dark. Everybody in the building at that time was in Aeolian Hall. And I see one of these guys kind of poking his head around like he's kind of looking towards the door. And in the midst of this spirit box session, he kind of raises his hand like he's in class. And he goes, who else is in this building with us? And I look around and I said, there's nobody else in this building. We're all in here. And he points at the door and he goes, 
well, then who is that? Like, I still get goosies thinking about it because it was so weird. And so I walk to the back of the room and stand right beside him in his chair. And sure enough, in this doorway, it was almost like it had been illuminated in its own light. There was some kind of light coming from the hallway that you could see through the glass. And sure enough, there is someone standing on the other side of that door, peeking back and forth. You could could see it poking its head around and then kind of walking across the hall. It was blocking out this light. It was prevalent enough that we had a motion sensor light sitting up in front of the door and it triggered the motion sensor light. And so when this happened, the guy who had the video camera went over there and started rolling. I think it still exists on, on our cops Facebook page. And you can see this shadow figure moving back and forth. And it happened probably, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 seconds, a little longer, maybe. And then it was almost like the light in the hallway dimmed and it was gone. By the time that the motion sensor light went back out, it was over and whatever was out there. These guys were so kind of freaked out. They wanted to see it for themselves. They thought somebody had come into the theater and was messing with us. And so we all got up, got up. We went together downstairs to make sure the front entrance was still locked. We were the only people in the building. And um, they actually left right after that without saying goodbye. Yeah, that's it's freaky when you experience that stuff for the first time, especially when you know you're the only people in that building. We had an experience at the Opera House one time. We had just got done giving a public event. And uh, if anyone who's ever been to the Opera House, you walk into the main auditorium and then there's two stairs that go up either side into the balcony, to the second story balcony. You can hear when somebody's walking up and down them stairs. We had just got done locking up the whole back of the building and we were all in the concession. There was four of us in the concession area and uh, we're getting ready to walk out the front door, like literally stepping towards the front door. And we heard like an elephant running down the stairs. We all stopped. We all looked at each other and we said, all right, somebody's probably a straggler still around here wandering the building. And we went up these stairs, looked, and it's not that big of a building. And we looked through this whole building. All the doors are locked. Everything's sealed. We found no one. It was just like, okay, you know, it's it's realizing it's the end of the end of the night. And they're just letting us know that they're here. It's their time. And, and uh, it's not just seeing things, it's hearing things. And I've you know, experienced a lot of things that I've heard that are, you know, to me, that's the most interesting. And I don't know how you feel about that. But when you think about ghosts, it's somebody who's passed on, right? And for them to verbalize something, how do you verbalize something if you don't have vocal cords, right? Yeah, you, you we did a whole episode, I think it was episode nine, uh, probably about eight, nine months ago, where we talked about EVPs, some of the greatest EVPs we caught. And that's why those are so intriguing to me. But disembodied voices themselves are just, are just, they blow me away. And I've gone into places, and one of the best places this ever happened to me was Pennhurst State School in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You've seen it on TV. You've heard about it, all the underground tunnels, the the, the terrible things that went on there today. Actually, I think uh, Addie Gaddis posted something today on her Facebook page, uh, Suffer the Children, which was a documentary where a news crew went in there and showed on TV all the despicable things that were happening at the school, the deplorable conditions these people were living in, just like Cropsy uh, in Staten Island, New York. And um, you can imagine the horrors that went on there. It'd be standing in these places that this stuff happened to is unreal. And being an investigator, you get to go to all these amazing historical places, things where terrible things happen, and why wouldn't there be energy still there? But we were investigating, and uh, we were only allowed in two separate buildings, and I think we were in the... Mayflower building and it was predominantly all school children and we're on the second floor and we're all seeing at the end of the hallway this shadow walking back and forth past the window you look straight down the hallway and then there's a doorway and there's a window right we all kept seeing somebody walk back and forth so one of the female investigators that was with me decided to yell hello and she yelled hello down the hallway and all of a sudden this little tiny kid's voice said hello And we were all like, holy crap. And that was awesome. It was a disembodied voice and it came from nowhere and it was a direct response to what we were saying. And I was blown away. And people think that you have to catch a ghost, an actual 
image of a ghost for it to be paranormal, to be an incredible experience. No, that five second response made the whole trip possible. And that was like, you know, on top of everything else that happened in that place, it's pretty much the most haunted place I've ever been to. But that was incredible. I still get goosebumps thinking about that experience. We had the same thing occur at a place called Prospect Place in Trinway, Ohio. The, yeah, I've been there before. I had some weird stuff happen. The history behind Prospect is incredible. It was a, a stop on the Underground Railroad. And you can still go into the top um, area. I don't know what they call it. like The cupola. The cupola. Yeah. yeah. Cupola. So that's the place where they would set the lantern when it was safe for slaves to come in. And there are so many stories behind this place. I know it's been featured on pretty much every paranormal show that you could ever imagine. And I've been there several times. I had some actually pretty negative things happen to me there, especially in the uh, in the barn where it was said that a man there looking for runaway slaves was hanged. Yeah, Yeah. the bounty hunter was was supposedly hanged out there. But the same thing happened with us. We had caught some EVPs of a female voice. Some of them sounded like singing. One of them was almost like a, a piano playing. But we were all standing together on the second floor. And we continued to hear some things on the floor above us. And I think this video is still on our Facebook page, too. As we're all standing there, we hear something. We all stop. And one of the investigators yells, hello, a man. And from the third floor, we all hear a woman yell back, hello, just like very prim and proper, just like, yes, I'm up here. Who's talking to me? And it was, again, one of those pee your pants moments that everybody just looks at each other frozen like you heard that, right? And so, of course, you go up there and there's absolutely nothing there. But Prospect Places is another one of those places where, oh, my gosh, the disembodied voices were just real there. And that's I always say this, too, in a lot of things. When I have so many theories about uh, what, you know, ghosts are and what this all is about and and whether it's interdimensional whether it's spirits who passed on whatever one of the most profound things i ever saw was from a tv show was from ghost hunters which we all know ghost hunters uh you know was the premiere show that that brought the paranormal into the spotlight uh for the first time on tv and they did an investigation and they were talking to this woman and they asked who's here and the evp they caught was like this woman responding to him like she's confused like there's somebody else in this room where the heck are they like they were the ghosts like jason and grant were the ghosts haunting her and that's how her response was and sometimes that's what i think is going on like they they hear us but they're like looking around like did somebody just say that to me you know what i mean they're getting the same response or same experience that we are from them responding to us and i think that's fascinating to hear a disin, to, and it's one thing to see something, but it's few and far between. But to hear something like that, a set of voices, when you know you're the only one in that area, and it's not coming from outside, and you know it's coming from right in front of you, that just boggles my mind. The amount of energy it takes to do something like that for a response that you can hear, an audible response, that to me is just as awesome as seeing a ghost. It's like you're existing in the same time, but on a different plane. You can't see each other. It's like being in like there's you're staying in one room and and somebody else is standing in the next room and you can't see each other, but you know that the other exists. And that's the creepy feeling. It's that paradox that everybody talks about the past, the present, the future all existing at the same moment in time. And that's just a just a mind boggling thing to think about. But it's we don't know. It could be absolutely possible. So let's get into one of the most credible paranormal experiences I've had because somebody else experienced it at a completely different time. Uh, You listened to our last serial snippet. If you did, you heard Annie talking to uh, Chad Cornell and Doug Malinowski from Eerie Voices Radio. They are actually uh, on Paranormal Warehouse with us. And this story pertains to to Chad because I had been a a guest on their show last year and uh, we were talking about paranormal experiences and I had one the same exact, we saw the same exact thing at completely different times. We've had experiences at Madison Seminary together, some of which were the best that I've ever had at Madison Seminary. This is where this occurred. But I had dressed up as Negan one night. I was cosplaying Negan. It was a joke for, for my buddy Adam. And I had walked into this the middle building 
Uh, there's a, a, For those of you who've never been there, there's a hallway that connects the old side to the newer side of Madison Seminary. We call it the middle building. It's a hallway. And I was walking to there to go to the bathroom. And when you walk to the bathroom, you have to go down a ramp around a little bar that's there and go to the bathroom. And when you walk down this ramp, it's very loud. You, you know when somebody's coming up the ramp because you hear it. I mean, it's just it's a wooden ramp. It's loud. It's just old. And I walked into the doorway, into the middle building, and there was a guy standing there right in that doorway, in that threshold, going down that ramp. And I jumped for a second because my first thought was, people are always breaking into this building. Somebody's in here. And it made me jump. I had Lucille over my shoulder, you know. uh, And I looked up, it was gone. But I had seen it long enough to be able to give you a detailed description of what I saw. I saw a man, black shoes, black pants, white shirt, a beard, and I come to realize later he had no face. And that made me uneasy because I was like, why can't I see his face? I can see everything else. I can see every detail. Does he not want me to see his face or did it just not materialize? I don't know. But like I said, my first thought was somebody broke into the building. But then it dawned on me, I didn't hear anybody run down that ramp. There was no way you can silently move down that hallway without someone at least not hearing something. The echo of the hallway, the wood on the ramp, there's no way. And he was gone lickety-split. And uh, I recounted this thing to Doug on his radio show, and he said, I saw the same exact guy in almost the same exact spot. And that, to me, was an incredible um, coincidence because it was the same exact spot, and it just led, you know, it lended credibility to my story because here it was. Same guy, same description, two different people at two different times. He wasn't with me, I wasn't with him, but we saw the same spirit. Filming all these years, Annie, um, you know, you've been to some places that a lot of people haven't heard, but I've known, see, I, I've been there behind the camera filming you sometimes, and I've seen you experience things that you kind of maybe knew were there, or, you know, l- there was audio to lend to the credibility of what you what you saw, and I can say that, you know, being being on that side of the camera, seeing, you know, somebody you care about experience certain things too is, is, is awesome, an awesome experience too because you're like, wow, you're right there raw watching them experience these things. You know, you, that's what's so great about Doug's experience is it lended credibility to what I saw, but he wasn't even there. But when you're with somebody and you're seeing them experience it firsthand and you know for a fact you're experiencing it too, I think that makes it makes it better, a better experience. Well, anytime anybody can back up your experience that lends more credibility to whatever is going on. Like I said about the um, the full-bodied apparition at Lake Shawnee, if my buddy hadn't been there to look at me and, and tell me that he saw the exact same thing, I mean, we legit had a conversation about this man, then I would have questioned what I saw. And I think that happens with us so many times. We question what we see. And so that's why it's so important to document it, whether it's audio video, whatever, to capture those pictures, to capture that video of those shadow people. That's why it becomes so important for us to document it at that point, to be able to share it with people, because when it's just happening to you and you can't verify it, it's so frustrating. I'm glad that that Chad had that story because it made me feel so much better that I just wasn't, I just wasn't a loony tune. Like I actually did see this thing and it made sense. Now it all came full circle, made sense. So doing this for as long as we've been doing it, Annie and I have together 20 plus years being paranormal investigators. We don't have all the answers. We don't know all the answers. We're just giving you firsthand accounts of what we've seen. You know, at this point in the game, it's pointless to argue with people about theories and everything else. You believe what you want to believe. And that's, that's fine and dandy because, you know, to, to everybody who's experienced something, I mean, it means something different to you, to me, and it's not it's not the same for everybody. But I just want you to be aware that, you know, there are things that are out there that we can't explain, and I honestly don't think we ever will know until it's our time to, to pass on to the other side. I don't think we'll know either, but until then, we're going to keep getting out there and putting boots on the ground and trying to investigate this stuff. And so again, for anybody who is interested in it, um, lots of these live streams on Paranormal Warehouse, not just ours, but other teams who go out there. And it gives you the opportunity that if you don't have access to these locations, if you don't have other investigators to get out there with, join us on these live feeds, because it really puts you in that location with us. 
And again, video documentary of what we are experiencing in that moment. And it can put you right there with us. We'll be in Kentucky. You can be in California. You can be in Germany. You can be in, in you know, Hawaii. And you can join us on the investigation via these live streams. And it puts you right there with us. And, uh, you know, just chime in and we'll we'll include you in the investigation because that's the coolest part about it. Because maybe you see something or maybe you have a question that's outside the box that we haven't thought to ask. And that's, you know, why it's so important for everybody to to be involved in these events, because we we really want you to. We, we really you know think it's an important thing to, to bring other people in. So come out and investigate with us on Paranormal Warehouse Saturday, August 3rd with the guys from Gateway Paranormal. I'm really stoked for this one. I want to go back and see that Shadow Man again. Yeah, me too. And I've never, this is a location I've never been to. And uh, it's the first time meeting all these guys from Gateway Paranormal. You know, I've talked to them on Facebook. Uh, I've seen their documentary, Discovering Wielden. Uh, so you check that out too. It's on Amazon. But seemed like a great bunch of guys. And Annie's had, uh, you know, Matt on her live show. And he's also been on his, our second, or is he our first? He was our first serial snippet. Matt Fioli was. Yes, he was. So... Go back and listen to that. He talks about the uh, Bell Witch House that they investigated. And uh, yeah, we, we can't wait to bring this live investigation to you guys. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you there. You'll get to see Shane Weebs in the flesh. So again, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of Serial Spirits. Please take the time to go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Uh, let us know what you would like to hear on future shows. Uh, also, make sure you visit our SoundCloud page. If you really enjoy listening to all these shows, seeing live streams and everything else, go visit ParanormalWarehouse.com. There are so many good shows, and uh, I'm proud to be part of Paranormal Warehouse. I know Annie's been been on it a little longer than me, but there are so many great people, so many great shows, so many great investigators, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's like a big family, and we want you guys to be part of that too. So go check out ParanormalWarehouse.com, all the great shows. And until next time... Make sure you stay safe. We'll catch you guys later. Once again, thank you for listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Check us out weekly on Paranormal Warehouse at paranormalwarehouse.com, on iTunes at Serial Spirits, and on SoundCloud. Please rate and review the show. Follow us on all your social media apps. Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Serial Spirits. On Twitter at Serial Spirits and on Instagram. Until next time, be aware and be safe.